Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. It's a Guy Jeans podcast. Hey, guys, welcome to the podcast. Hey, I wanted to thank you guys for listening to the podcast and help making it become successful and helping it grow. When you guys get a chance, uh, make sure to follow the Guy Jeans podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Um, when you follow it, it helps it grow and it's completely appreciated. So thank you very much. I got a cool thing that has just started as well. I started a Patreon page and the Patreon page is uh, patreon.com slash Guy Jeans podcast. It's patreon.com slash guy jeans podcast if you put that in your browser um on the patreon page you guys can get uh, exclusive audio and professional tips from the guests of the show i mean they're exclusive um exclusive audio feed to private guy jeans podcasts um exclusive content behind the scenes content um you guys can request different things on the patreon page um you get to see the show notes and i'm going to give you guys a shout out uh, on the podcast as well so check that out the patreon slash guy jeans podcast and become a patron and uh help support the podcast so thank you very much hey you guys welcome to the podcast this is guy jeans i'm sitting here in ventura recording company in ventura california with my buddy philly how you doing philly how you doing guy man i'm stoked to be here um you know this studio is pretty awesome Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, like I was saying earlier, you know, I have people on my podcast that I think are inspirational, um, that do things that uh, are kind of outside the box and, and kind of follow their dreams and their passions. And uh, I thought of you and having you on the on the show and and talking to you about everything that you're doing. It's pretty exciting stuff. And there's a lot of people out there that would like to hear your story man oh awesome yeah i'm ready to, to dig say, into it <laughs> dig into it yeah let's dig into it <laughs> all right so where where did you grow up okay i was born in los angeles california i lived there most of my childhood and i moved to ventura county to santa paula in 90 1990 uh-huh. grew up there you know um kind of experienced the two different worlds that were totally opposite yeah. You know, living in L.A., um, police sirens every night to come into a city where at night it was weird to, to fall asleep when you heard nothing, Yeah, you know? Uh-huh. So that was always a, a trip for me. So moving from there to Santa Paula, then, you know, what was it like growing up in Santa Paula? Um, to be honest with you, it was the best thing that could happen to me because looking back, I probably would have been a gangster or in jail or dead by now. Uh-huh. The way I was being influenced in L.A. Uh-huh. Um, but moving out to Santa Paula, one of the few things that I was heavily influenced was with hip hop and the hip hop culture um, as a little kid. And, uh, you know, moving to Santa Paula, I was able to, like, do the same things that, that I saw in L.A., the good side, you know, not the bad side. Yeah. And, you know, I got influenced more by, you know, the graffiti, the hip hop, the music and, and stuff like that. Well, I definitely want to talk to you about the uh, 
the graffiti um, artist stuff that you uh, oh, have, been, have been uh, into for years and even your artwork and stuff mm -hmm. kind of gets influenced by that, don't you think? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Everything that I've ever done started with a vision. So, so how did that all go down? How did you get into a, a graffiti? Would I call it a gang? A graffiti gang or a graffiti no, crew? Just like, like a crew, a crew, a crew, crew family. Uh -huh. it, it's crazy. Cause, um, you know, moving, moving from LA to Santa Paula. Yes. I saw graffiti everywhere. Yeah. Um, one of the crazy memories that I have is, me and my friends, we were third graders, um, getting on our bikes, um, off the 170, um, going to this hardware shop and we're third graders and, um, we steal a spray can at this local hardware shop. And then we'd go to this bridge off the 170 in Sherman way. A lot of people know that area. And they had these walls on the off ramps. Nobody could see you, but we can go back there and write. You know, okay. that's where it kind of started. And I remember seeing these big old pieces that were extremely colorful, bold letters. And I always wanted to do that. When I moved to Santa Paula, I started pursuing that and trying to make these bold letters, not having to worry about, you know, cops or nothing. Even though I was a little kid, um, I, it, it helped me, you know, get better at that art when I was a kid out here in, in Santa Paula. So, so how did you hook up with the the crew, your crew, and all that? Uh, friends from the block. Mm -hmm. You know, I met I met a couple friends that were all we all lived in like a four block radius from each other. Um, one of my closest friends lived caddy corner for me, and he was an, an extremely talented artist. And we really got into it big time, and we started a crew called New Deal, and it was back, you know, back in the days. And it was um, my best friend, Sen7. We had, uh, uh, let's see, we had Net. Uh, that's what he went by, N-E-T, Net. Uh, we had Freak. We had Scum. Um, myself, I went by Real. And <laughs> and that's that was our crew. And it was really small. Uh -huh. But we were like brothers. You know, we were yeah. always hanging out with each other. Uh -huh. And and just instead of trying to just write on walls, we really got into the culture. Uh -huh. And um and like I said the, the what we call the peace bombings and and big bold letters and being artistic with it not just writing something stupid or mm -hmm. you know even our our regular tags had style and and we we pushed that and that was heavily influenced from L.A. but we also you know, when I was a kid I, we we um, we bought this uh, VHS of uh, Cope Two and Cope Two is a graffiti writer from uh from New York that uh just inspired us and that whole little crew um we started trying to be like those new york graph writers and the la graph writers and my my best friend sen seven became extremely extremely talented in that art form that he got you know he was getting invited to to these big old writing sessions and you know us being part of his crew we get to be and hang out with like cbs msk and then um one of the big crews from out here um which was called you are your art kind of like um ask us to join forces and that was pretty big for, for us as graffiti writers because we were basically joining forces with like what we considered like the best artists in ventura county and now you know we were we were one so explain to me like how that all goes down like so like you guys would you guys get together and say hey we're gonna go do this um somewhere and you guys would pick a spot and and that's how it would go down and you guys would kind of mm. d just like kind of picture like i mean just to let just to let everybody know everything was uh not 
legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, we would we would just, it was it was against the grain. We would just yeah. you know sometimes we would pick a spot, but most of the times we would just uh, just kind of like try to we would try to always do this thing we call all city. We would try to hit up the whole city. Yeah, <laughs> and just trying to be and every city we were at, we were trying to get our name everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's what we would always strive for when we were younger. And um, so you you guys would go to a spot, and I had, I had discussed this with you before um, about the paint and stuff. But you guys would get a just decide to get a spot, and then you would do your thing, yeah. right? Would you write your name, or was it like a like a, a big piece, or oh, were yeah. you guys using like ropes to do things and <laughs> a stuff? Little, uh, yep, any yeah. like anything we could do, like any means necessary. I never got on a rope and hung from things, but I know like my best friend did. Yeah, um, we had other friends in our crew that would do that kind of stuff, and then we would see like on a billboard or on the side of the freeway, and but yeah, it was all like we were daredevils. Yeah, you know, hardcore daredevils without even knowing it. And we would do these crazy things as, as youngsters. Have you, do you know all about the, have you seen the one on Matilha Dam? You know, up in Ojai? I'm trying to, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. dude put the scissors on there to cut. He, he like, he uh, hung off the Matilha Dam, you know, because they want, he need mm-hmm. to take it down or there's a big thing going on about taking it down. And he got on there and he goes and drops down with ropes and like spray painted scissors, like cutting the you know, um, the, the dam apart and stuff. I know? haven't seen that That's piece, pretty, but pretty badass. You know, I actually was coming back from Catalina this, this week and on one of the bridges, um, you know, when you're driving into the port, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. there was this, uh, wonderful, wonderful art of like, it looked like an Indian woman. And I'm talking about huge, it's probably as big as this wall right here. Yeah. But you could see that it was unfinished and it's in the water. And people were like, how were they? The people were looking, oh my God, that's beautiful. How did they even do that? Me being a graffiti, an ex graffiti writer, I could see that that whole thing was done with roller paint. Yeah. And the detail on that thing was amazing. And obviously it wasn't finished, but you can notice that whoever was doing it was probably on a boat, uh-huh. you know, in the middle of the night and doing this thing in the dark. And like the back of the hair, you see the hair nice and detailed. And then you see a big black spot that was like unfinished. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, that's, that's, that's the art form. Sometimes you, you know, you're doing something beautiful, but some other people might not agree with it. And that's what I heard. People were like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And people was like, oh, that was illegal. Yeah. You know, and that's the, the only thing that sucks about, you know, this, this art form. It's like, but nowadays, you know, it's, it's kind of accepted everywhere. Yeah. It's kind of like skateboarding back when yeah. I was younger, you know, get damn skateboards, get out of here. And they'd and have now, to, they had to build skateboard parks, you know, for yeah. everybody, you know, and now it's accepted everywhere. And yeah, and yeah, I went through that too. I was part of the, the, the console, the console when we were trying to put the skate park together in Santa Paula, uh-huh. you know, we were skating everywhere. And so they obviously like, no, we're going to put up, you know, do something, do something. And they built that skate park in Santa Paula. So you guys would, um, you guys would do these, pieces of art Mm -hmm. and then would they get immediately like erased afterward by the the city or there's actually like certain places were hard to get to and so they just don't go there and and paint over it because nobody's going to see it besides Mm -hmm. you know other people other crews um but we were actually blessed when we were in santa paula i got to give a shout out to javier montes he's one of the biggest artists in santa paula and probably somewhat the world um he you know, he believed in us and he, and he wasn't a graffiti artist. 
he was he's the guy that started the Nicolones art show big big festival that happens every year um he passed away recently um but he was a big mentor and he allowed us to go and paint on this building so this building is yours i'd rather wow. have you doing the art here than trying to go and do it somewhere else and, cool and get in trouble even though we were still knuckleheads and yeah. doing it everywhere else but we basically had a, a free building to actually express ourselves and do the art we loved um and you know people in the city knew oh that's that's new deal that's ndk those are those are the guys that are the real graph writers or blah 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 whatever they would mm -hmm. say you know but but it was just cool to have a place where we could like in the daytime you know, start doing your thing yeah but it was artistic it wasn't just tagging yeah so there's a big difference between tagging i was gonna ask you that bombing yeah you know even throw ups they call them throw ups or quick bubble letters we would do we would always try to do the peace bombings which was like the big art pieces that we we see on trains on mm -hmm. walls when you see like five different words but you know you see art behind it and stuff yeah. like that so yeah. that's what we would do so what is the difference between like these the the people like you see that are just tagging and it almost looks like they're like writing stuff um is that like a gang thing where they're like marking their territory it, type of thing it depends it depends but at one time there was you know there was a lot of rivalry and um different blocks where it belong it's kind of like a gang war thing and, yeah but there is there's a difference between like tagging throw-ups and pieces to me you know like tagging is is writing you know it could be, be a spray can it could be your name yeah, your nickname yeah. so spray can a pen a sharpie whatever um but it would be okay in a sense to just go over that with a throw-up which was like quick fast bubble letters paint them really fast but they look you know depending on how good you are with your skills they look really cool or they could look really shitty and um and then after that you can go over those throw-ups with like a peace bombing but if you ever did anything backwards that was like a sign of disrespect you know and i actually <laughs> dealt with that in venice one time and got in a big old fight but i didn't notice first i did a throw-up over some guy that just there was a bunch of tagging, you know? Yeah. And I did my throw up, not thinking anything of it. And then he comes back onto it and he tags over my throw up instead of doing something else. So we got in a big fight. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was years ago, you know? Yeah. So there's a big respect thing that goes oh, on. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Isn't that? That's interesting, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just l learning about that stuff is like really interesting. So you guys can get famous um, up and down the coast. Um, just with your your art and and your and your name, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when I'm driving, I'll just see like a dude's name, like you know, Sparky or something, yeah. you know. And then you see it in all these different places. What's that all about? Like that's that's what we mean by all city. It's like uh -huh. um, it's it's just tagging where you're just, at. Just hey, you look at I'm everywhere, but you can't find me. You know. Oh, okay. Like uh, try to catch me. It's kind of a, a little bit of both. You know, like just being being outside out there with your art everywhere and then also like hey who is this guy is this mysterious you know like uh -huh. and you know big shout out to like you know people like uh saber from msk people like uh, uh coat 45 <laughs> that guy was a crazy legend you know from from i'm i we met the guy once but you know i'm not gonna go into crazy detail but that guy was deep that's all i gotta say yeah so um you guys are just uh you know, you guys are admiring each other's artwork and stuff like that. So, like, when you're driving down the road, 
like say you're in LA like you were and mm -hmm. you were going to Catalina and all that and you notice that artwork and stuff is that are you looking at it all the time at the you're looking at all oh, that yeah. stuff as you're going I, down and I, know, constantly. and I know like that one took a long time oh that one is like quick you know yeah. stuff like that because I've done it myself and and just knowing how dangerous it is to even like it's, it's when I see a piece like on the side of like the freeway and yeah. you know that that was dangerous, but you see this wonderful piece of art. I got to give it up to those guys, you know, because yeah. it is dangerous and people have died. People have yeah. died um, just doing the art. And obviously people have gotten like, killed and, but being there and doing the art and then maybe falling or something, it has happened. So I give a lot of respect to the people that can do that. You know, my, my good friend was crazy enough to do that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Luckily he's still alive, but yeah. You know. So there's a lot of people you know, on the other side that look at it like, you know, Hey, that's, you know, you're not cool. You're, you're, you know, whatever painting over a, a building or something yeah. like that. Whereas on your guys's culture, it's kind of like a, um, art and, yeah. and whatnot. And, so, and I feel like, you know, any art had that expression, even when it first began, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, so, so being able to express yourself no matter what is the key is the goal yeah. to me. And, and, and I felt like graffiti spoke to me in that sense when I was growing up. It it really, you know, I could have been maybe a painter or something, but like it, it nothing spoke to me. Nothing gave me the passion and the feeling that I had when I would go and do graffiti art, you know, yeah. and we would go everywhere. I mean, we would be in L.A., Venice, San Diego. We've done stuff in Sacramento just because mm -hmm. we wanted to. You know, our yeah. little crew and we let's go drive out here or we would be there already and we would just say, let's go find a place where we can do something like this. You know, they've been tagging and doing graffiti from way back, man. Like I'll go out, oh, yeah. the, I'll go out in the desert, dude. And, and oh, yeah. there's like uh, Indian, you know, uh, petroglyphs and all kinds of stuff out there, you know, that, uh, and that's, that they were doing back in the day. Exactly. How, how do we know it's not like it was, it, you know, we look at that stuff and we say, oh, look at. This is ancient writings from back in the day. What mm -hmm. if that was a graffiti for back in the day? We don't know. Exactly. Huh? We just found it because, you know, it's there. Yeah. So that's that's always something cool that I always thought of, you know, looking at like ancient thing, ancient writings and stuff that's found in the caves. And, you know, they might be telling their story, but mm -hmm. that's what, you know, that's what I feel like graffiti is also too, is telling the story. And every time we would do these big collaborative pieces, there would be a theme behind it. It wouldn't just be my name, his name, and so on. We would put a background on it, you know, do it like, if it was like, oh, this is like a nightlife thing. I remember we did a big piece and we did a lot of like nightlife scenery and then the, the city life sceneries and then we put our, you know, our big old pieces on them and it looked amazing. You know, it mm -hmm. looked like something you would see, you still, you see nowadays, you know, in like a regular, you know, like some hip store or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were doing that that stuff, but you're also a musician and you're you're a rapper as well. Yeah. And so along with that uh, culture, that's all mixed in, mm -hmm. right? So is that how you got started into rap and kind of your, yeah. your music? Were you DJing yeah. too there for a while? Yeah, or something? like I um I definitely was doing graffiti before any of that stuff, but I was mm -hmm. always intrigued with with the DJing because uh, when I was living in LA. There was a shoe store around the corner from where I lived, and it was a hip-hop spot. So that's the reason when, when I moved from L.A. to, you know, to um, Santa Paula, that was the thing that stuck with me is that scene. I remember listening to music that they would play, and it had, like, strings and pianos. 
And yeah, there was some funk stuff, you know, mm -hmm. but I really enjoyed that. So when I moved to Santa Paula, I was trying to find that sound. Come to find out that sound was like artists like Wu-Tang Clan, you know, um, Gangstar, uh, Cypress Hill. These are the groups that I was like, as a kid going, that's the sound I like. Mm -hmm. And it is a lot of like strings and symphonic sounds, pianos, really sad melodies. And, you know, like really like just... Yeah. amazing lyrics to me you know like the way they they would write so i really got into that because of the graffiti and being around the culture and i started collecting records before i even had turntables and i was lucky from my eighth grade to my freshman year um my sister's boyfriend at the time he owned a body shop and he was an ex-dj and he's like hey you want to work this summer at my body shop keep the place clean and i'll give you my turntables and they were technique 1200s the real ones so like, I was blessed from the that was, beginning. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So is that how you met Icky Green? In that, in that, or was he that come uh, later? You no, know, yeah, it came way later. But yeah. yeah, I met Icky Green. Like, you know, going, you know, forward when I when I started collecting records, I wanted to learn how to, you know, DJ, and I didn't really have any mentors. And then I met, you know, the the late great DJ Al Capone from Santa Paula. He owned a record store called Exotic City, and he took took me and a few boys in to just learn how to set up his PA system and go into D we would DJ these weddings. And, you know, we'd set up the speakers. He teaches how to set that up, how apps work to, you know, to in combination to come to make, you know, more Watts and push all these speakers out. And, um, every once in a while he would let us DJ. But at that time when we were doing that hard house was a big thing, house music, you know, dance music. Right. So even though I had, you know, some soul, some R and B, some hip hop records, I started collecting house music records and we started throwing raves. It was during, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, back in the yeah, awesome. late nineties, early two thousands. And we started throwing raves, but I was still involved with the hip hop culture and doing graffiti and doing hip hop. And during that time, I also got into beat making just by, by luck. I saw some guy making a beat on a, I forgot the sampler, but he was doing something that I enjoyed. Like I was like, ah, oh, that's the sound that I've been hearing that, you know, like Wu Tang or whatnot. And he showed me, he's like, oh, I have this record right here. And I remember I'm ha having that same record. So I went back home and uh, I looked up, you know, what, you know, just how I, however I could find, you know, it was magazines, um, word of mouth. We had a uh, McCabe's in Santa Paula. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah, I went over there and I would uh -huh. ask, Hey, how do we do this? And they all, oh, it's a sampler. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, oh, okay. So uh -huh. the most affordable sampler at that time was a keyboard called the DJX for me. And I, I worked with, um, Another summer with my bro my sister's um, boyfriend at the time's families, uh, they worked at Keyline Wilcox, which is like a, a palm tree planting place. And I worked there during another summer, and I made enough money to buy me the sampler and a drum machine. And there you go. There's a freshman with a, a yeah. sampler and a drum machine and a handheld mic. Yeah. And I met, um, at that time, I met ERG, another amazing talented musician producer engineer and rapper and he you know software daw was barely you know becoming popular it was like late 90s early 2000s and he gave me magic samplitude he's all download it to your computer so buy this interface it's only like 100 bucks and it was just uh it's an emu stereo input stereo output and that's literally how i started recording you know my sample my beats into the into the system and was able to save them, show people, and then, hey, I want to buy a beat. 
No way. I, yeah. That's and you were selling yeah. them? And I started selling them when I was like a, like a sophomore in high school. Nothing crazy. Yeah. yeah but. And then I, they would rap over them? Yeah. Those and, I guys? Would, and I would record them with a handheld mic. I had like, I don't even know what kind of mic it was, but it had an on and off switch. Yeah. Probably a Radio Shack mic. Yeah. And we had a Radio Shack in Santa Paula yeah. too. So we were able to get cables, any anything we needed. And um, I, I ended up buying a little mixer. Um, and at the same time, I, I got to add this too because I forgot to add it. But at the same time, I met ERG. This is a local guy. I met DJ Rerun from Moore Park through the hard house music scene. He was a hard house DJ. And uh, we got along really well. And I joined his crew. It was a party crew called Minds Under Craze. And it was a bunch of house DJs throwing, mm -hmm. throwing raves. Yeah. And um, I, I, she showed me a, a tape. He's like, hey, check this out. Um, this is my rap group called Dark Age Minds. And I was like, what? You rap? I'm I rap too. And I showed him like my little ghetto demo uh -huh. beats. He's like, that's dope. You should come to my, my house and record. Oh, no. So when I went to his house, before I would just connect my keyboard straight into, you know, that interface uh -huh. or, my, um, or my drum machine straight in. And he had a JBL mixer, old school, you know, 12 channel mixer. But I noticed he had, you know, his sampler and everything going through that. And um, I couldn't get my mic to work at that time. You know, I had the handheld mic. And I was like, how do I get my mic to work? He's like, oh, you need a mixer or a preamplifier. That's what you need to make that mic work. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that's how that started. And, and once you know it, you know, my brother was into hip hop and also punk rock and rock and roll. And mm -hmm. I was hanging around. We had a musical mentor that's an OG hippie, like a straight Grateful Dead hippie. Mm -hmm. Roger Garcia, rest in peace. Mm -hmm. um, all, all, all my mentors are way older mm -hmm. most of them passed away already mm -hmm. um but yeah that guy would let us hang out in his house he had a drum set um and he would play we would just sit there and he would show us his actual tapes from the grateful dead shows yeah oh really yeah and <laughs> then awesome. we would just hang out with him and he go go play drums go play go play music to that or just or, in general oh just, just in general yeah be be you know be yourselves get creative he would let us get creative at his house and um he had a whole crew and his mm -hmm. son is a really amazing drummer. His name is Eric Garcia. He's a drummer for One People. Oh yeah, okay. Yep, that's his son. Oh, no so way. his son, we known him since he was a two year old. I mean, a uh, second grader. Uh huh. A little mocoso. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So yeah, I known that that kid for a long time, and um, yeah, his dad would like, you know, let us hang out. And what his dad did for me is amazing. While I was collecting records, his dad gave me a bunch of jazz records. That. To this very day, I, I still own. Mm -hmm. I have not gotten rid of them. Mm -hmm. And he gave me some, like, gems. He gave me the Bob James one. Mm. He gave me um, the Incredible Bongo Band. These are records that I had, like, from the original pressings. Um, he gave me some David Axelrod. These are records that are highly sampled in the hip-hop world. Yeah. And um, back, and he's like, I don't listen to jazz, you know, take it, you know. So you could so use I, that with your stuff? And I started using it with my uh, beats, but I also heard, I'm like, oh, that's that one song or that's that one other song, you know. Yeah. Like I started, and so my mind started getting really creative with like, you know, finding the records that had samples for like hip hop songs. So me and another friend were just starting to collect records for that, for that reason. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I would, you know, check the other side. And mm -hmm. find another song and be like, oh, I could, I could freak this sample and yeah. make my own hip hop beat with it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thanks to Roger for that. <clears throat> ERG for giving me the DAW 
and um, DJ Rerun for actually explaining how it all works, you know? You know the importance of, you know, our mentors, man. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. The importance of uh, other people passing it on. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so that's hopefully what you're going to do, right? Yeah. I mean, exactly. I've been, I have interns here, you yeah. know, different ones for the past couple of years, and I teach them. I don't charge them anything. I say, mm -hmm. I just tell them, hey, if you're going to learn this, I want you to be good at it. Yeah. And I want you to be a badass, you know, because if you're better than me, then then I did well, you know. Nice. That's a great so way to look at I, it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, man. Just the, the it doesn't matter what genre you're in, but those people that actually inspire you, inspire you, whatever you're doing, you know, yeah. how important that is. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know? 100 percent. So now you uh, own a, re a recording studio. You're a producer. Um, I want to talk to you about your school, man. What, what school did you go to? So, um, so was it 2000? Yeah. 2020. What, what, what year are we in? Yeah. 2018 <laughs> is when I started. Uh, yeah. I just decided to go to the Los Angeles Recording School. Um, mm -hmm. I've been just out of the blue. Just, not not really out of yeah, the blue. I just, was working at this job that was extremely stressful. Um, I, you know, my career as a musician, a producer, engineer, you know, was doing pretty good. I had a studio that I was paying rent. I had a building. We were paying rent monthly and building the studio. But there was that little bit that we were still missing, you know, mm -hmm. the little bit that we were still missing that I felt like I was still missing. And um, like I said, I was working a stressful job. I tried to get a job in some other places and I couldn't get them because I didn't have a degree. Right. And that's what made me say, hey, and then my other good mentor and good friend, bandmate yeah. TK. Yeah. I kept asking him, what should I do? And he's like, yeah. go to school. <laughs> nice. So I, I said, yeah. all right, let's do it. So I went to school two weeks later. I was, I was enrolled and started the Los Angeles recording school, uh, took the bachelor's program uh, three years later and graduated with a bachelor's degree in high honors. Nice dude. Yeah. And what were you studying there? What would they have you do um, there? Audio production, but I did mm -hmm. a little bit of everything. I did live sound. I did, you know, um, music production, uh -huh. post-production, recording, mixing, and learned how to use Ableton, uh, Logic, and obviously awesome. Pro Tools. Yeah. And also how to run a business, how to be yeah. a leader, how to, mm -hmm. you know, talk to people. So they, they, they did everything. And that's what I loved that school for is it wasn't just recording yeah, or it wasn't just production. It was a little bit of everything mm -hmm. and enough for you to grasp it and understand it and take it to the next level. That's how I felt. Yeah. So what is a producer? Like, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, oh, this was produced. Uh, this record was produced by this person. And, you know, um, you know, what? For those that don't know, what what is it? What is a well, producer? It depends. Um, there's obviously, you know, what a lot of people most mostly know is the hip hop producer mm -hmm. or the EDM producer. Those are guys that could just, you know, I do a lot of that where they could sit there and make a song, make a beat. They call mm -hmm. it a beat, mm -hmm. but it's basically just you know being able to produce that beat, you mm -hmm. know. But the other thing, the other producer, is uh, the other producer. Um, is actually sitting with a band, writing, helping them get creative, helping them express themselves, and also knowing theory, knowing recording, knowing um, how to write music, mm -hmm. and and how to capture the best ability of that band. And th those are like the producers that you know pr record produced by so and so. Yeah. But you could also have like you know let's say uh, like one of my idols like RZA. Like he would physically make every beat, you know. 
and then you would rap on it you mm -hmm. know so that's the hip-hop producer and then like right. i said somebody that sits with a band and that's like an actual producer producer some of the producers that i've worked with in the past you know they were able to bring out you know, some of the best in some of the musicians, oh, yeah. you know, and in, in a positive way Yep. and uh, get, get that performance in the recording studio in a positive way. And, and, uh, and then sometimes they would be like, um, you know, I'm not sure that this part's going to fit you, you know, and they would be honest with whoever the musician was. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a big part of production for that yeah. side of it. Yeah. Cause I do a lot of that myself every day. That's part of my job. Yeah. And yeah. And sometimes I'm I'm actually hired to be the producer, and sometimes I'm just in the studio. And because I have the experience, I'm able to help them figure out what's good or what works or what doesn't work and whatnot. Mm -hmm. What bands are you playing in now? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I play in. Some, I, I for years and years. I I, I love. I just love music. So yeah, I, I do. I I, yeah. I try to keep myself busy because. One, yes, you know, I get to hone in on my skills. Two, yeah. I get to make some money and make yeah. a living off of this. Uh, but yeah, right now I'm kind of just focused on on Stoneflies and Bombafire and and uh, and Rising Sun and and you know just kind of doing that with yeah. the music. But I'm also doing a lot of stuff for myself. Right, and so you have a project going on with yourself. And I was going to say, if people didn't catch that, um, Philly plays the keyboards and raps in, in the Stoneflies. Yeah. <laughs> and I do some random backups here and there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, so your new project, uh, which is called Mighty Lion Dub, is it's on Spotify and, oh, yeah, it's and all that stuff. Yeah. So you guys check that out. What's that What's that project? So um, obviously, you know that I'm a lover of reggae. I've mm -hmm. um, been a lover of reggae for you know already like over 20 years. By the way, shout out to Larry Martinez because if it wasn't for him giving a letting us see that Bob Marley documentary, I probably wouldn't have been into reggae. And again, to Roger Garcia for playing the Abyssinians on vinyl because if not, I would not like even get blown away by reggae music. And mm -hmm. if because of those two things, I really fell in love with the roots reggae and mm -hmm. that deep sound of reggae. And, and um. You know, Mighty Lion Dub is basically a, a collection of all that, you know, all the yeah. love that I've had for, for reggae music for years, playing in reggae bands, um, learning how to dub, you know, from some greats, you know, and and just, you know, enjoying the feeling, the feel-good music that reggae brings, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Are you doing all the, like, the instruments on the on Yeah, the like, the, the Mighty Lion Dub, I play everything. I always ask, like, my brother to play bass. He's a great bass player. Mm. Or I'll ask a friend or two to play something. Like, the last release, I had Tim, Tim Fierro um, from Colorado, good friend of mine. I've mastered a lot of his records. Um, I had him play guitar and eventually asked him to play, um, to sing on it. Nothing crazy, just a little phrase here and there to dub it out. And yeah, I played the drums on that record. I originally played the bass on that record, but I asked my brother to do it and he played it right away. And um, I did all the, the keys, the basic acoustic skanks. Mm -hmm. um, and then Tim also added some bubble to it, even yeah. though I, I, I bubble myself, but sure. it's the collaborative work that I wanted to do. It makes it that. fun. Yeah, huh? it makes it fun. It's like, I'm not going to do what I normally do. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to have some, you know. And a lot of people, when that, that record came out, they, they thought I did everything. And I was like, no, it's literally between three people, you know. Who do you think, like, are, you know, the music scene in the Ventura County area is pretty amazing. 
You know, there's oh, a yeah. lot. There's a lot of bands, all kinds of different genres from rock, reggae to country mm-hmm. to um, old time music, uh, whatever. And there's yeah, just so blues. many different. Yeah, so many different types of of music. Um, is there any bands that stand out to you that um, I could tell you one that uh, that we're going to be playing with on Halloween at least there's brewery and that's one people. Yeah. One people. Yeah, that's a good band, man. Yeah. They're, they're super tight. I love their writing. Like mm-hmm. I, I just feel like, I don't know how to pronounce it, but every song I hear, it just sounds really hard. Like, mm-hmm. like even though it's about relaxing, peace, love. And like every time I hear one of their songs, I want to like mosh pit. I don't know why <laughs> it just sounds really hard. That's, that's, uh-huh. You know, hopefully we get to work on more records. I was able to work on their first single. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's uh-huh. so we're going to work on, you know, we've been on the talks to work on some more songs. Um, and, yeah. One, one of their songs uh, was on the radio. Yeah, man, that's, right? that's the one that I worked on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It's called a sick one. Okay. Yeah. And um, but yeah, them. Kyle Smith is another good band course, that yeah. stands out. Um, Delta by the Beach is a blues band that's doing really great oh, yeah? for being a local Ventura blues band. I mean, these guys already traveled down to Ground Zero. They've uh, they've been a, a backup band for some legendary blues players. These are all guys from Ventura. You know, Delta what? Delta by the Beach. Oh, that's cool. And and these are bands that I've got that's to work awesome. with. I'm not I'm not just bragging about them because yeah. I got to work with them. Yeah, uh, it's more of the fact that they're doing their thing. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm one part of that big picture that they're doing. I'm just like an engineer or a mix yeah. engineer or whatever. But what they're doing after that is just blowing my mind. And that's why, you know, I give a lot of respect to like those artists, those bands, those groups, you know, the, the you know, the Ventura County area, man, I, it just, it just breeds um, some amazing musicians. I agree. You know, and, uh, there's some great shows to go out and see. And, and I mean, just downtown Ventura and mm-hmm. Oxnard and, it would not. But what about any uh, female vocalists or any artists? Can you, yeah, you've been working with any, you know what? Um, I've worked with this wonderful female artist. Um, she does stuff here and there, but, um, some of her favorite, her most played songs, some of my favorite songs are, is her name's Jalen, mm-hmm. Jessica Lynn, shout out to her. She, uh, she, I got to pr- help produce and record and mix and master some of her, uh, songs that, uh, that, um, are like the most played on YouTube for her. And wow. she has some really cool music videos to each song. And, um, but I feel like for rapping and singing at the same time and being a local artist, she has, she has that skill. Um, I, I really haven't worked with much, many women singers or rappers mm-hmm. besides her and maybe here and there back in the days with other ones. But, but I wish I could work with more, you know, mm-hmm. um, I've been training, um, one of the interns here, um, I've been, she's, she wants to be an engineer. So I've been training her how to be an engineer and she's actually getting really good at it. So I'm blown away. I'm just seeing that the diversity in, in places. I have another live engineer that works with me that I worked with at the Canyon and she's backing me up, you know, at the church that I work and do sound for. And she's also being, becoming even way better of a live sound engineer just by, you know, being able to provide these, these, you know, like, one is I'm providing the studio. The other one I'm providing a church for her to like hone in on her skills. So your business, Ventura Recording <clears throat> Company, what do you guys do at the studio besides just... Uh, the main goal is exactly what the title says, recording. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to record as many people in here. And, you know, I'm training a couple of engineers so this place could like just run on itself. 
It's I wanted to be a recording machine. Mm-hmm. You can come in here, record off wonderful gear, get wonderful sounds, and then you could grab that project that you just recorded and you could either, you know, let me mix it, let somebody else mix it, but at least the recording, the proper recording of it could happen here. And then, you know, technology nowadays, you could take it anywhere and get it done, you know. Yeah. But at least, you know, you got a place to record with Neve and Trident consoles and SSL stuff and Neumann microphones, stuff that, like, people ha- can't afford or, you know, can't afford the rates. Mm-hmm. You know, when they go to a studio in L.A., oh, we, it's $1,000 a day. Yeah. You know, Ventura has that. We have a, an amazing live room that's, like, detailed to a, to a team. You know, yeah. it sounds amazing in here, so... Do you do jingles and and uh, commercials and stuff like yeah, that too yeah. for the folks? Um, um, you know the 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 music industry nowadays like there's there, I don't know. I just haven't been asked to do a jingle yet. Mm-hmm. It's more like do a song like this. Okay. And if we if we like it, then it's going to be put on the the commercial or yeah. or edit this to be you know to fit this this time slot. And uh, but yeah, I've got to I've got to do actually my music for you know these commercials that i've worked on and there's a lot of stuff that i've actually gotten paid for but it's not out yeah because again they just want to keep it in the library and so that's that's a plus it's been a good business for me you know yeah i um you know i've seen you uh go after your passion um from the beginning and i'm proud of you brother and thank you man yeah same here i respect exactly everything you've done thanks man but i mean it's like uh you know, people, I want to have people on my podcast that are inspirational. They go after their passion. Um, they just see the end result and they go for it. And, and you're definitely mm-hmm. one of those people. And uh, I appreciate you being on my podcast, man. I appreciate you having me. Thank you, guy. Give a, give a shout out to, um, you know, where people can hear your music and your, your <laughs> websites and all that as well. Real quick. Um, my, we- my website's still up, but it will be getting shut down soon because i'm revamping my website i'm going through a different service Uh um and you know but right now you can still get on it and you can find me uh filiberto landeros productions.com and um you can see everything i've done there i have my discography some of the post-production work i've done um you can see the services we have here at the studio um you could learn about me you can read my bio and see what i've done throughout the years and you could contact me there. Um, you could also contact me on my Instagram or Facebook under Landeros underscore productions. Um, and that's my other company, which is basically my solo company. And I do mixing, mastering, recording, production, production, live sound. You know, I teach people how to record, mix. You also do live sound. Um, so it's like a one-stop shop for everybody. Yeah. I'll have all that stuff for you guys on the website as well. All his links and, and website addresses and that. Um, you guys make sure to check out my Patreon page. Um, I'm going to have some special features with Philly on there. Um, some stuff that he's going to, uh, share with me that is going to be shared on this podcast. And so check that out. That's uh, the Patreon, uh, guy jeans podcast at Patreon slash guy jeans podcast. So thanks for listening you guys. We'll talk to you next time. Guy Jeans Podcast. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. 
Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.